Internet Brand Strategist Sandra Beck interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel to telecommuting from home to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with Allison Carmen, and I just love her because she wrote a book that was pivotal to me when I got divorced. And you know, when we talk about uncertainty, she's my girl and the need for certainty. And she wrote this great article in the Daily Beast that came out recently that we want to talk about. Allison, welcome to today's show. What was your article about? Well, what was interesting is that it was about uncertainty and how the difficulties that we have dealing with the unknown, but why it came up is that my daughter over Christmas break, who goes to law school, kept watching reruns of the Gilmore Girls. And I I was wondering, it's like, you know, she has such so many intellectual pursuits and she likes philosophy and politics. And I turned to her and I said, "Why, why do you keep watching reruns? And she said to me, it makes me feel better. Because I know what's going to happen. I know the characters and it soothes me. And I thought that this was her kind of weird thing that maybe she did by herself. And then I asked my other daughter and she did the same thing. And then a couple of days later, I had lunch with a, a lawyer at a big investment firm. And I told her what was going on with my daughter. And she said, you know, I watch SVU. I do the same thing because it has a really scary beginning and there's a crime and, and then I watched the reruns because I know what's going to happen and I know they're going to work it out. And then I, I had another colleague who watches um, reruns of the Property Brothers. There's yep. a woman who's my client who's looking for love and she watches The Bachelorette over and over again because it makes her feel certain and comfortable and that she could have what she wants. So I was so fascinated by it that that people were looking because the world is so uncertain. There's war, there's global change, warming, and they're turning to television for that, that feeling of safety. Like I can't get a hold of my life. I can't get control of it. So I'm going to watch TV. And I thought it was so interesting because when I grew up, I hated reruns, but I had a different addiction. My addiction was when I didn't like what was going to happen. I wrote the story. So the story was, this is going to happen. I'm going to go to this college. Uh, I'm going to marry this guy and life will be great. So I, I was always running my own stories. And it's so fascinating that today there's so much media that people are turning to the media for a similar comfort. So that's, that's how the article began about my fascination of why we're always looking for certainty and these new ways we, we try to look for it. Well, and you know, I think you're spot on to something because, you know, I care for my, I'm a single mom. I have two kids, 15 and 18, you know, living at home and, you know, going to school and my 88 year old dad who is struggling with dementia. And I've noticed that he used to be like a Fox News, MSNBC, you know, every CNN junkie, everything news, news, news. Now he's watching Hogan's Heroes, Archie Bunker, MASH and the, and Matlock. And those are the only things he wants to watch. And sometimes like Archie Bunker, who knew has 202 seasons, he sits there and he laughs. And every day he asks me to put on Archie in the morning, Matlock after lunch, Hogan's Heroes. And, you know, since everything's on demand and I'm like, why do you love these shows so much? And he goes, 
they're comforting. He goes, they really, they comfort me. And he goes, Stan, I don't know why. Cause I'm like, don't you want to watch something new, something different? And then I'm thinking maybe it's his memory issues, but he'll be like, oh, this is a good one. This is where Archie, or this is where Hawkeye, you know, he'll bring these things up. And I, I thought maybe it had something to do with the dementia, but now I'm looking at it in a whole different way. And Allison, I just want to stop us for a second here, because as we talk about dementia and certainty and the different changes that we have to deal with, I really want to thank our sponsor today. And our sponsor today is AARP. And as we get older, we're more concerned about affordable health care, lower prescription costs, and protecting Social Security and Medicare. And AARP advocates for you and offers financial and job resources, fraud protection help, information on joining local volunteer groups, and so much more. I want you guys to try the benefits for yourself. Go to aarp.org slash talk to join for just $12 for your first year with automatic renewal. And you'll get a second membership free plus AARP the magazine and a free gift. That's aarp.org slash talk. And I want to talk to you about some of the different benefits. I mean, there are hundreds of benefits, discounts and programs, all sorts of things for you to choose from. And I use AARP's caregiver resources because they have lots of great information for me. Not only do they have family caregiving support, but they have a job board, they have a resume advisor, they've got driver safety tips, financial planning, retirement and social security resources. I mean, they have so much stuff and they are advocating for us. And did you know that 61% is the average savings on prescription drugs not covered by Medicare? And you can get up to 15% off meals at participating restaurants. You can also get discounts on thousands of hotels nationwide, on eye exams, eyeglasses. You guys really need to check this out. You need to go there. You need to sign up. Try the benefits for yourself. Go to aarp.org slash coach talk to join for just $12 your first year with automatic renewal. You'll get a second membership for free plus AARP the magazine and a free gift. That's aarp.org slash coach talk. And if you guys thought AARP was just for old people, I need you to rethink this. And I want you to go and check out and see how much you can get with these membership benefits at very little cost. Now we're talking today with best-selling author Allison Carmen, and she's got a new book out about certainty. And her first book, The Gift of Maybe, was great. But we're talking about certainty, and especially my dad with his dementia. And, you know, it's the certainty. It's it's certainty. He's certain everything's going to work out the way he predicts. And when you're losing, you know, your memory, you're losing things because of dementia, there's a huge amount of uncertainty and fear that goes along with your own mind. Absolutely. So we're, and so it, it's happening to your dad and it's also happening to so many of us because the world feels so frightening. You know, you have the pandemic, you have, like I said, the war going on in, in Ukraine right now, and it makes you feel like you're losing control. So what's yeah. happening is people are reaching for that moment, right? Yeah. Because it used to be, we'd run, like I said, I would run my own stories, but what we don't see is that if we don't deal with this relationship with uncertainty, we're going to live with chaos because these are just temporary fixes The you know, the television and, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, sitting back and enjoying yourself for a half hour. But if we're using it to manage our feelings of despair, of fear mm. of what will be, then we're going to kind of get ourselves into trouble. And what's interesting is that 
despair is really a need for certainty. Allison, I just want to stop you for a second because it's a great time to thank our sponsor. And our sponsor is so in alignment with what we're talking today about brain health, about certainty, and the folks at BioOptimizers have done it again. They've just released their new and improved formula for Magnesium Breakthrough, the most powerful magnesium supplement on the market today. And this product was already amazing, but BioOptimizers has continued to research and improve it. This new fourth generation formula means Magnesium Breakthrough is now even more potent and effective for reducing stress, improving sleep, and boosting energy levels. If you've already taken Magnesium Breakthrough, you'll want to try the new formula as soon as you can because it now includes cofactors like B6 and manganese that will help with the absorption of magnesium. And if you've never tried Magnesium Breakthrough before, now's the perfect time to try it, and here's why. For the deepest healing of many health problems, Dr. Mark Circus says there's only going to be one answer, and that answer is magnesium. And why does he say that? For two important reasons. First, magnesium is involved in 80% of the body's metabolic reactions. And second, about 75% of people are not getting enough magnesium. This is a much bigger problem than most people think because when you don't get enough magnesium, you suffer from poor sleep, low energy, and even higher stress levels. And in every bottle of Magnesium Breakthrough, you'll get all seven unique forms of organic full-spectrum magnesium, which can dramatically improve your health. It can help you sleep longer and deeper, reduce your stress levels, and help you feel calm and give you an abundant all-day energy to win at life. And because it supports mental wellness, Magnesium Breakthrough can help you finally feel like yourself again. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed by the improvements in your mood and energy levels and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash coach talk. That's magbreakthrough, M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H, magbreakthrough.com slash coach talk and use coach talk during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. Oh, and one last thing. If you want your loved ones to be healthier, consider giving them the gift of magnesium breakthrough for Mother's Day, Father's Day, or even for a spring birthday. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash coach talk and use coach talk during the checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. Now we're talking today with best-selling author Allison Carmen, and we were talking about despair and despair being a need for certainty. You think about it when you feel despair, what's happening is you're taking this moment and you, you can't imagine how it's going to be different. You can't imagine, imagine it's going to change and you project that it'll never be better in the future. Right. So despair is really a story of certainty. And, and it's interesting because sometimes you'll hear people who are so negative and they base it on facts. Well, this is going on and this is oh, the, the data. Realists. Right. Yeah. And then you'll be like, oh my goodness, that I should feel despair too. But people don't realize that despair is the easy way out mm-hmm. because all it does is it takes the negativity and it pushes it forward. It pushes it, it pushes it forward. But hope is really a harder gig. You know, we, we look at people who are hopeful and we're like, oh, they're out of their mind. They're hopeful. But hope is really standing in the moment, seeing things for what they are and still believing things can change, still believing things are going to be different. So to me, anyone who's standing in hope, they're the resilient one because they're actually willing to be open and to realize that life changes. And we forget that piece. And, you know, I always talk about the maybe mm-hmm. we forget that the future is unknown. And so despair is going to let you think. If today's bad, tomorrow's going to be bad. Right. But maybe, right? Because maybe it's that idea I always talk about. Maybe lets you see, well, that could happen, but maybe something else could happen too. So it allows you to be hopeful, but open. 
So it's kind of interesting when you look at despair and hope, right? Despair is really a need for certainty and a hope is a willingness to not know. Well, so it, I'm, I'm going to validate you like a million times, a million times, 50%, because when I got divorced, you know, I had a three month old and a two and a half year old and my ex-husband left me for my friend and someone who worked in our business. And so I could not comprehend making another friend because we moved here this was my first friend i thought she was my workout buddy my everything turns out she's sleeping with my husband trying to take my money my house and my car and left truly my husband left with her you know so i did and i lost my house i lost my car like i lost all these things and during that time this is where i'm like oh my gosh Carmen, you're just so brilliant. Um, Elisa Carmen, sorry, Allison Carmen, I'm having such a hard time today. I know who you are. I'm just call me whatever emotional. you want to call me. I no, love I know, but you know how like when you get emotional and things start coming yeah. up and you can see my face getting red because this was a very emotional time for me. And um I started watching Friends rerun. I went to Best Buy and I spent $100 that I didn't have and I bought the whole set in the box because this is DVD days. And every night, instead of making new friends, because I had just moved to this town too, I didn't have any friends in town, new mom, husband leaves, best friend gone, whole thing. And she lived here so she knew everybody. So I was like walking around with the head of shame, but they were my friends, literally. And I would watch them. And I knew eventually Ross and Rachel would end up together. I knew that Joey would go on. I knew Phoebe would go on. I knew, you know, I knew all these things. And they literally became my friends at night because it was comforting and it was certain. And, you know, you said something so powerful about hope. And when Phoebe and Rachel were hugging in one episode about something, it was later on in the series, I thought, Maybe I could have that. Maybe I could have a friend who's not going to rob me, sleep with my husband, trash talk me around town. Just maybe. And this is right around when your maybe book came out. And I kept, I must have read your book five or six times that year alone, highlighted it. I remember showing you at one point that book, like with the, with the post-its and the highlighting, because I had to, when you're traumatized like that, I had to rewire my system because my system got wired that all women can't be trusted you cannot make a new friend because they'll take everything you have and you can't date and you can't have a husband because he'll rip you off financially and break your heart so that was my paradigm for probably i don't know four or five years very fearful only go back to old friends and what's funny when you said this like it was like that's why i watched friends because i look back to that time in my life and i'm thinking what was I doing? Like, why am I spending two hours a night watching old reruns of Friends? Because it gave me certainty in friendship and relationship. But I think it was also really powerful because combined with your book, then I could step out in hope and make new friends, which I did, make new relationships, which I did. But I think it's that catch-22. I really needed your book and I really needed those Friends episodes. Well, it's interesting though, if you think about it, you used it, look, it's like therapy, right? You used yeah. it to feel safe at a time you didn't feel safe, yep. but there was a time it led to inspiration. And then when you were, you know, it's funny when we become inspired and we then we become hopeful and then we leap towards uncertainty. So you move through it. 
right? You moved through it. You actually started to shift your relationship with uncertainty. So it's interesting. Like, like anything could be inspiring. Like I could be inspired by a show. I could be inspired by a relationship. So for you, it kind of flipped back the other way. It gave you comfort and then you branched out. And, and for those that don't know about the maybe, what it is, is this idea that uncertainty is your best friend. Because if you want your life to change, it has to happen in the unknown. And what we do is we look at uncertainty as our enemy. We look at, I like the way my life is today. So the future is my enemy because it could get bad. Or I hate the way my life is today. I can't imagine it getting any better. So uncertainty is not my friend. It, it, it's just something that's going to perpetuate my own unhappiness. And we don't realize that neither of those are true. Uncertainty is the most beautiful thing in the world because all things exist. Everything is possible. All possibilities exist. And, and so people say, well, that scares me. Well, we're, or what if I can't get, get forward? Or what if like, it's well, the because we matter. automatically assume the negative, you know, like right. when all possibilities exist and this is where like, I'm, you know, me, I'm going to just beat your book to death. This right. is where the power of maybe really got into me and made me think, because we always assume it's going to be negative. That's why uncertainty is scary because bad things could happen. Nobody ever goes, wow, uncertainty, good things could happen. And right. I didn't have that mindset until you gave me the power of maybe. And I find myself telling people, everyone I meet who's going through uncertainty and they say, well, you know, this could happen. And then I'm like, well, maybe. Did you ever think maybe this could happen? And I'm like your biggest poster child because your book turned my life around. Right. And it gave me, you know, battles are won and lost in the mind. And so the battle for the how you deal with uncertainty is totally a battle in the mind. Absolutely. And it, what the maybe does, it gives you another choice other than your biggest fear. And once you do that, once you know you're not stuck, you're not doomed, you don't have to buy despair, maybe just opens up the window a little bit. But the minute the mind has that little piece, it's going to run because we have dreams, we have aspirations. Nobody wants to feel horrible and negative every day. And even if that fear still exists, it's diluted with other possibilities. You know, it's so interesting. I just created a maybe deck and, you know, it's out with publishers who knows what's going to happen. But what I've been doing lately is I actually put my every day, I think what my biggest fear is or what I'm worried about during the day. And I actually pull maybe statements out. And they sit by my computer. And even if I'm having a good day, I notice the tendency of the mind, like you're at work and there's a problem and you get negative and, and then there's a maybe statement. Maybe that thought's not true. Maybe everything's still okay. Maybe I can handle this. So every time, even I have this little negative thought, maybe it reminds me, hey, you're looking for certainty. You're, you're acting like doom and gloom. You're projecting negative things into the future when all possibilities still exist. And what we don't realize too, is that you just sometimes can't know. That's the yeah. trip. We want to know. We want to know. And because we want to know, because deep down, we all want to know we're okay. Sure. So because we want to know and we base it on, well, if today's like this and I need to know it can never get better. So literally in order to kind of change our lives, we have to say miracles exist change exists. We have to believe in ourselves and the maybe just opens us up. And we just, we have to remember that change can lead to good things too. And that's really the base thing that we're afraid we're not okay. And we think just because it sucks today, it's going to suck tomorrow. And that's not true. And then the weird thing too, is once you engage in the maybe you really access more. 
I don't, I'm not sure if it's like one of those energetic things or just you're more open to see things and you see them. But when I'm in maybe I attract more in my life, I'm more positive, I'm more joyous. There's more synchronicity. It just all seems to work out. Well, and so, I'm going to tell you, it's because maybe cracks a closed door open. Yeah. You know, like the word maybe, like, you know, when you say like, you know, anything's possible, that's overwhelming to me. And when you are in pain and in trauma, like, you know, you're, you're traumatized from your divorce or maybe a death or whatever, the, the concept of every, anything is possible is too big. Like I couldn't even wrap my mind around it. And this is why maybe was so powerful for me. And I used to journal and maybe you want to make a journal for maybe people. I used to journal and my journal entry would start and I'm going to take a picture of it and send it to you. Maybe I could. That was, you know, because like when you're oh, journaling right. through trauma, they say, you know, I you start with the, the trauma prompt is I'm so angry that I'm so sad that I'm so frustrated with that. Well, after a while, I kind of had like purged all of those like like the, the, the intense feelings of my husband's affair of his marrying my good friend, you know, the whole thing. I had thrown all that down on paper and I'm like and it was no longer satisfying to journal. Then I got your book. And I started my journaling prompts at night with maybe I could, because maybe I could wasn't scary. Maybe I could wasn't all possibility. It was a closed door on my life. Maybe I could make a new friend. Maybe I could go out on a date. Maybe I could. And it was gentle and it was kind and it was all I could handle at the point. Now, when I fast forward 10 years later, the idea maybe I could make a new friend, I make new friends every day. Like I don't even worry about that friend betraying me and I, I, I'm back to my open-hearted, loving self to all people. Even I extend grace and love to my ex-husband and his affair partner because I'm so grateful 10 years later to be free, to be who I am. I'm not shackled with that, that ugly empty you know abusive marriage anymore so i'm grateful but that took 11 years yeah. so when you're traumatized when you're hurting when you're broken because we can be broken and i know everybody says oh you're not broken you're just down you're this no i was broken my heart was broken my spirit was broken and my brain was broken Mm -hmm. I was confused because I'm grieving. I don't know what happened. It was like this two by four. And I was like a Toby Keith song going, who is that person living my life? They're going to Disneyland with my kids and my kids are only little. But Allison, I did tell you, I did give him a kazoo and a whistle and a bag of sticky candy that weekend to go to Disneyland because I thought, what's worse than being on a California 100 degree freeway with two kids in the back in car seats? in an SUV with sticky candy, a kazoo and a whistle. So I did get my, my little things back, you know, my little like retaliations. But when you're that heartbroken and you're that lost, I lost my identity as a wife. All of a sudden I wasn't a full-time mother. There was a stepmother. So I'm a single mother, like this new label, you know, all this thing going on Everything was so amazingly difficult for me to get dressed, to get to work. I would go to work, sit at my desk and cry for two hours before I could get myself together enough to go out and be professional me. Yeah. Maybe cracked the door open a little bit. Yeah. And so when I started journaling, like maybe I could, well, maybe I could 
Maybe I could get some help. I got a therapist. Maybe I could build my radio business. And what if I built my radio business on all the things I'm experiencing so I can get the help I can't afford? I made a list of therapists, of coaches, of everybody. And if you look at my earlier shows from from 11 years ago, they're all about divorce, recovery, broken heart, recovery, you know, and moving forward, all of these things. It would have never happened if I didn't slow down enough to just ask myself, well, maybe, because maybe soft, maybe it's like a hug. Maybe it's not push through that door and take the world on by storm. Absolutely, because maybe it's not demanding, it's suggestive. If you think about it, positive thinking is very demanding. It is. And and I could never do it because what would happen is, oh, I'm I'm just going to be positive. I'm going to be positive. But if you fear the unknown, you fear the unknown, you're going to be scared. You're going to read something and it's going to set you off. You're going to be worried about your kids and you're not going to allow those feelings to come up. So what's happening is that the negativity stays within you. You're trying to protect the positive. And at the end of the day, if you fear the unknown, negativity will take over, but maybe just suggest another way. It doesn't even tell you not to be negative. It just says perhaps there's another way. It is, I think the most magical word in the English language. You know, they have Sanskrit and Hindu. I think maybe is it because when I say that word, I just feel my whole body open up and I feel absolutely. But I had a similar situation when my husband left, even though I wrote the book of the gift of baby, it was almost like the universe found one pocket, right? That I would fall out of maybe, right? And I was I, I had a couple of situations where maybe it was coming at me. I, I knew it in my head. I didn't feel it in my heart. And then one day I was at work and the woman, I had this part-time job as the CFO of the motherhood center and the CEO, who's a, a lead reproductive psychiatrist took my book and she started to use it as her mouse pad. And she looked at me and said, Allison, do you, and I was, Mark had just left and I was just a mess and I was crying in between meetings. And she looked at me and said, do you believe everyone has maybe? And I said, yes. And then this, the, this lead psychiatrist looks at me and says, then you have maybe two. And I remember it, I went into a room after the meeting and I remembered this story of this fellow whose wife had died. Mm-hmm. And after his wife had died, I gave him my book thinking my book's going to help him. And he came up to me a couple of weeks later and says, I hate your book. My life is sucks. My wife is dead. I don't, there's no maybe, there's no nothing. But six months later, he came up to me and he said to me, Allison, I'm so thankful because after a while, I said to myself, maybe there's something left for me in this lifetime. Yes. And that was the maybe statement that brought me back. Not I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to seek revenge. No, it was maybe there's something left for me to experience in this lifetime. It is such a little small statement. If you think about it, it's like you said, a crack in a door. But that crack made me have a hope and a curiosity. And it gave me some resilience that, okay, I have no idea. I feel like my life is over, but perhaps maybe there's something else. And that was my breath, just like yours. Maybe I could. So it was suggestive. It wasn't demanding. It didn't take me out of my pain, but there was light. And once there's light, the human spirit is going to go towards that. And that's where we're going to build from. So I had a very similar situation and I had already written the book. 
Right. Well, and, you know, that's the thing about, you know, kind of the, the, the maybe is like the halfway point between completely broken and like total, I'm going to take the world on by storm positivity. Because when you're, when you're really traumatized, when you're broken, when you're hurting, when you're in so much pain, there is nothing like maybe bounced off my head like a tennis ball. Right. But what, like you said, the man got six months, you know, you got to be a point once, once the heat of all that hurt and emotion starts to dissipate, that's where maybe is like the perfect baby step. Absolutely. You know, you're not committing to anything because there's maybe, you know, and when I look back to my journals and I say, maybe I could, when I wanted to get into shape, because one of the things that happened is I let my body completely go to pot after my divorce. I could only work, take care of my kids and get up in the morning. That was enough. So my muscle tone, everything, nutrition, everything went out the window. And when I got to the maybe point, I thought, I have to join a gym. I have to do all these things. I have to get a nutritionist. I got to be on my shake every day. And all of a sudden I, I, I was at two o'clock in the morning, felt this is my plan. And I wrote it down. And then I got up in the morning, got completely overwhelmed. And then I thought about your book. Cause I'm like dog trained with maybe it's like, here's a treat, you know, there's your maybe. Get a treat. <laughs> um, maybe I could just start by walking. So yeah. I just started walking in the park now cut to five years later, I'm a fitness instructor part-time. I teach senior fitness. I teach stretch. I teach meditation. Every one of my classes gets a dose of maybe. Mm. Well, if you can't do this, maybe you could do this because maybe, like I said, is gentle. It's kind. It's like a cracking a door open and it allows you to step forward without risk. That's the other thing that maybe did for me is since it was a maybe and I wasn't committed to it, there was really no fear of failure. Because if maybe, maybe if I try to do these radio shows to help other people like helping myself, well, the worst case scenario is I only help me and nobody listens. Yeah. Okay. No risk. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it also, like you said, allows us to heal. There's so much forcing in our society. There's so much forcing in the self-help industry. There's so much forcing in so many places in this world. And when we force things, we don't allow ourselves to go through process to feel. Right. There's no way, you know. Every single day, I believe you have to feel what you feel, but you don't have to linger. You right. don't have to get stuck. And what maybe does is it's a pathway out that you can choose or not. And to me, that's the most heal with a path with light and hope. Right. And to me, that's like, even like, if you look at what's going on right now with global warming or the war, you know, if you read certain things, you, you could almost lose your breath. Right. Sure. I mean, it's, and, and we can't not bear witness we can't not bear witness to the atrocities that are going on in right. Ukraine. But what do you do with that? Right. right. After you bear witness, right, you can't feel bad enough to make the world a better place. Right. You can't. I mean, Wayne Dyer said that you can't feel sick enough. You can't feel poor enough, but you can feel good enough. But how do you get there when you're looking at the world and all these problems and maybe allows you? Because it allows you to feel it. And then you realize, well, OK, it's just because things are awful today doesn't mean they're going to be awful tomorrow. Maybe. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can help. Maybe I could pray. Maybe my mindset could deposit peace or love or kindness into the world. It's really just a way to say miracles happen. Change happens. You know, the human spirit evolves. So it, for me, it's a reminder. And even I wrote this book. I, could, I, could, I got stuck an hour ago. I was doing a project 
there's so much coming at me, a problem happened, and I could forget the maybe. Even me, I wrote the book, I talk about it all the time, I talk about my podcast, we're so conditioned, right? But that one word, if I just say maybe, I don't even have to do a statement. If I just say maybe, my stress is alleviated, my worry is alleviated, I know I have a problem, I need to witness it, I need to experience it, but it doesn't mean I'm not gonna work it out. And for you, it's interesting when you talk about maybe you make me feel like what happens if you practice maybe enough, you actually cultivate faith. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so you, so when you cultivate faith, you don't need the mate, like maybe it's cognitive faith. And when you cultivate the faith, you don't need maybe anymore because you just live with this unknown place, always knowing that things will keep unfolding. Life always has new possibilities and, and you just kind of live that way. And, yeah. and it's, it's kind of. I, I have that sometimes I'm, I'm back and forth. Sometimes I just have faith at this point. And other times you will see me with my, my pen and my paper. And I am writing those maybe statements out. I'm flipping yep. those maybe cards. I am full in. Well, and I want to, I want to be one of your cards because <laughs> with my, my cancer treatments, you know, two years ago, COVID cancer, single mom, like I was really in a dark place and I had, I was stage three C. It wasn't like I was stage one and it's just going to pop out in a little surgery. I'm looking at a year of treatment. I didn't lose my hair. So I'm eternally grateful for that, but it was a really sucky year. And I started to get really bad, like, like panic attacks, PTSD the night before treatment, because I know I'm going to be sick for three days. I'm going to itch. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to, everything's going to taste bad. Like, you know, you just start feeling better again when the next round comes in. And so this is my maybe statement that I want to be on one of your cards. Maybe I can bring joy. And that's what I do when I had to face a, a, a chemotherapy session, a surgery, something my default instead of going into fear instead of going into all this negative emotion i thought maybe i can bring joy so i would get into the hospital and i would purposely smile at someone and say a kind word i would compliment the nurses and what happened is i started not looking forward to the treatment but looking forward to like when I would go in, there's like when you go in for your chemotherapy, there's like like little beds and little chairs and everything's all lined up with all these people and there's really no privacy. And since it was COVID, nobody could have a friend sit with them unless maybe you were super old. There were a couple super old people that they let their their partner come in. So I would come in and I would see women younger than me, women older than me. The women and men in my group were either lung cancer, skin cancer, or or breast cancer and they were all high level cancers so mm -hmm. i thought what if i maybe i could bring joy so mm -hmm. i would talk to this old man and make a joke about the yankees i'd look for something on their body that would give me something he had a yankees cap so i'm like hey you know yankee 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 or hey i love your shoes or wow that headscarf is so pretty and they were all genuine i found something honest and genuine but I changed the energy and the emotion around the whole thing. Could I change the bag that was dripping in my arm? No. Could I change the pain? Could I change all this stuff? No. But what I could do, I could move myself like a chess piece from A to B going, I'm afraid. I don't want to do this. I'm upset. I'm angry. It's unfair. Why am I sick? The whole thing, the whole ball of wax to maybe I could bring joy in the morning. And so my mission was to go in to have my treatment and bring joy. 
So if you can find somewhere to put in. Oh, I already wrote it down. Maybe I could bring joy to this situation. I right, actually get at the end. Yeah. Beautiful. And I don't I have it. to go in fear. I don't have to think. And I can change my point of view. I can't change the situation, but I can change how I show up. So maybe I can bring joy is, is a big thing whenever I have to go into something I don't want to do. Because it's easy I, to bring joy when you're going to a picnic or you're going to a party. It's hard to bring joy to chemotherapy. It's hard to bring joy to divorce court. Could I extend kindness and grace? Could I hold a door open for somebody? And maybe I can bring joy is free. It doesn't cost anything. It, that is really so beautiful. And what I love too is that you weren't denying your pain. No. That's the thing. Like sometimes we're just so busy wanting to change it that we don't process what we're experiencing. What I love is that you're like, this is how I feel, right? And then the maybe allowed you to shift somewhere yes. and, and let the light and let the hope and let the joy back to you. That was a, something you could do in the moment and that spreads, right? So that joy also came back to you as well and it lifted you up. So I just think that that's what maybe does. It just allows you to feel it, but change it. That is just so gorgeous. I almost, I don't even know what to say. Like I've, I've, I really feel that that process that you went through is, is unbelievable. And I'm sure you did bring joy. I'm I did. Sure and the guy went, used to call me little Mary sunshine. He goes, little Mary sunshine is here. He'd come in, he'd get a big smile, say little Mary sunshine is here. And I'm like, how are you doing this week? And you know what? I was no longer, cause this is the thing about every cancer patient will know this who's had treatment. You become a line on a chart. I was S Beck and a time and a date. And then I was a, 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 a printout. You know, I became a printout of labs and tests and things. And I started to feel less like a person and more like a, like a number, like a collection of numbers. I'm a collection of tests. Like, who am I? Am I a cancer patient or am I a girl with cancer? And that's where maybe I can bring joy and being called little Mary sunshine gave me an identity rather than somebody who's sick and coming in. Cause honestly, when the times I would go in for treatment and I was resentful and I was angry and I was sad and I was hurt, the treatment seemed worse. It hurt more going in. I was sicker after when I could, maybe I bring joy it to my negative situation. I seemed to handle it better. Yeah, maybe there's something left for me to experience in this moment, in this situation. It, it's a beautiful thing. And it also, that's where we start to change. If yes. you think about it, like that was the beginning of you changing the process, yep. right? It, that you, and I'm sure it probably carried over to life too. Like maybe when you were going out with friends or something like that, feeling awful, bringing that joy with you. What, what can I still add? And we also forget, we don't realize how meaningful our behavior and our actions what it means to other people. I know for me, if someone says hello to me, someone smiles at me, someone holds a door. Oh my God, I'm good for an hour. You know, to me, it's just like, it's love coming at you. Right. Right. And you notice this, especially when, when you are facing a, a, a terminal or a, or really difficult diagnosis without treatment, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. I'd be out. And so I have all this gratitude, but what I noticed is and this is another maybe, maybe I could not call this person back. 
Maybe I could not accept this invitation. Maybe I could, because I kind of am a little people pleaser, so I would always allow things maybe that I didn't want. But where it really affected me in particular, and I'm I'm eight months out of finishing my treatment, and mm -hmm. it was a year of treatment, and I'm completely clear on all my labs. Everything's good. Praise God. But I had to get rid of the people who would come in and go, oh my God, I'm so sorry you're sick. I can't imagine how I would do that. You're a single mom. How do you do that? And anybody who came in, if they said to me like, oh my God, how are you? If that was the first thing they said to me, they kind okay. of, and I thought, well, maybe I could just push them off to the side. Maybe yeah. I could, and it did help me a lot to make changes. You know, cancer cured my life. I didn't cure cancer. It helped me, you know, stop doing these things. But again, pushing people out of your life or saying, I can't deal with you because you're upset about my illness. Like, I can't okay. handle you right now. Okay. I couldn't do that, but I would give myself grace going, well, maybe I could just not call them back till tomorrow. Or maybe I could just call them up and say, you know what, I'm really not up to company. Things like that maybe gives us that, that, that like first baby step to, I think, a lot of healthy behaviors. I'm just curious, what would you have liked people to say? I'm just always curious because when, you know, when people are going through struggles, right? We want to love them. We want to be there for them. We don't want to lecture them. We don't want to be negative. We want to show compassion and empathy I, because you're such a high vibration person. I, I'm just curious, what would you have wanted someone to get on the phone to say to you? I would have liked to hear, I'm so glad to talk to you. I'm so glad to see you. I would want the conversation to start or the visit to start on an up note. And like a, a perfect example is this lady, Sally Johnson. She's a quilt maker and she's a big fan of my shows and we've become friends because of it. She sent me a quilt. You know, obviously I'm sick and cold, you know, so she's like, I, I sent you this quilt. And she said to me, I'm so happy to sew this for you. I picked out vibrant colors of, and they're pansies, they're purple and orange. It's really a beautiful quilt. And she's like, I thought of you with these bright colors and I'm so happy to have done this for you. Can I have your address? Cause I'm sending you a little box of goodies because I know that whatever the outcome is, you're going to do great. Mm -hmm. Now that's so much different. If I said to you, Allison, I am so look at the pansies on your, 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 you know, yeah. your pictures behind you. That's kind of like what my quilt looks like. Um, but if I came into you and you were sick and I sat down and I'm like, I'm so glad we get this time together. I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to hear about everything that's going on for what you want to talk about. Because then I could say, well, you know what? I'm doing my treatments, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about and talk about some upbeat things. Tell me something funny. Tell me a beautiful story about your kids. And then maybe, how about ask me? What would you like to talk to about today? Because mm. here's the thing, when you're sick and you're alone, you're so tired of people asking you how you are. Yeah. Like after 14 months, stop asking me. I'm alive, I'm here. Yeah. I don't wanna talk about how I feel. And, and don't make the face of like, oh my God, how are you? Because all of a sudden I didn't feel sick. I was excited yeah. to see you. Right. And now you came in and you reminded me that I'm sick and I'm battling something. And I know you didn't mean to do that, 
but you can you can see how my energy changes like you get it's like nails on a chalkboard after a point yeah it, it's so interesting because i'm somebody that always wanted to talk about what was, i was feeling this and that but when my husband left when the pain is so deep Yes. When the pain is so deep, it, it's, it's almost traumatizing. And, and, you know, it is but, traumatizing. Yeah, yeah. And people, they want to be there. They want to be present. That's why I think it's so interesting for you to share that with people because people want to be there for you. They don't right. want to say the wrong thing. They want to make sure, how do I express my compassion? How do I express, you know, that I want them to be well, how do I love them? Right. And you love like them how- by showing up but yeah. here's the thing, the difference between facing a terminal illness and facing a divorce. When you don't know if you're going to die from this or you're going to die during treatment, you're afraid. Yeah. So when you come into somebody who's facing that, don't bring up the things they're afraid of. Like you wouldn't go to a kid, oh, you know, Allison, I'm going to put you to bed now. Um, don't be afraid what's in the closet. There could be something under the bed. Like, how are you feeling about the darkness when the light goes off? Like, you would never do that to a kid putting it to bed. Don't do it to somebody who's facing a big medical challenge. Come, they know you love them because you're there. I know you love me because you called or you sent a card or things. You don't have to ask me how I am because if I want to talk about it, I'll tell you. What I want your visit to do is take me away from the pain, take me away from the sickness, take Mm -hmm. me away. That's the whole point of why you're going there to love that person is to take them away from what they're going through and let that person or that patient, if they want to talk about things, then just listen. You don't have to say anything. You can just go, oh, oh, because I think people feel compelled to say something and then they end up saying things that are like either really stupid and you try not to sit there as the person receiving going, wow, I can't believe you said that to me or wow, I can't believe you asked me who's going to take my kids if I die. Like these are things that really happen in conversations. And I don't think people are being mean or obnoxious or, or stupid. I think they're just nervous and stuff comes out of their mouth so they don't know what to say. So here's a tip for everybody listening. Maybe don't say anything. Maybe nod, maybe smile, maybe, you know, ask me if I like a drink or, or, or maybe hold my hand or, or maybe just don't say anything and nod and go mm-hmm, and listen. Because maybe that's pers- enough. Yeah, perhaps the perspective is not to fix. We always want to fix, right. fix, 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 no, fix or no. I want to fix you or I want to know everything about you. Possibly if we go into these moments with maybe, I think we're going to really feel what the person needs. I, I think that's really yeah. what's happening. It's like, how do we be present for another person? We have to be present by emptying our needs, our fixing, our, our, our need to know what, what everything that's going on. And just kind of be in this empty space to be with you and, and be in this open, maybe mindset. And, yeah. and I have a feeling that's where you kind of get a sense of what someone wants from you. You do, right? because it's yes. not about you. Like, and that's the thing is I really had to, I had to really separate myself first from some old friendships that were very dear to me while I was, before I was sick. But then when I got sick, I'm like, I cannot deal with you. You cannot come to, to come a visit with me and then break down and cry and tell me how worried you are about my kids and how worried this is about you. 
And there were some friends that I'm, I'm still never, I haven't, it's not the same. I kind of had to gently divorce from those friendships because I cannot be here in a hospital bed making you feel better. Like, and that's the thing. If you can't keep it together, don't go cancel. If you feel you can't sit now, you know, if it's dire, that's whatever, or excuse yourself and leave the room, but don't make the patient responsible for your feelings. And that happened actually quite a bit. How would you feel if someone approached you and said, how can I be there for you? How can I support you? Would that have been something that, you know, that's a little overwhelming for me. What worked for me, because that required me to think about my life and figure out what's working. What really worked for me was people who said, would you like me to bring over a dinner? When's your next treatment? Could I bring over a dinner for your kids? Now that's a specific. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Some other things that really helped me. Could I come and help you with your house? Could I help you with your pool or your laundry? Are there, is there any driving you need done this week? Cause I had young kids, you know what I mean? The kids couldn't drive when I was sick. Max just got his permit. So at giving me a specific that I can say yes or no is so much less stressful because if you say, is there anything I can do if I'm sick and I'm tired or I'm grieving or I'm scared, I'm probably not going to come up with anything. But if you give me a specific and say, and then say, you know, I'd really like to help you because you've been such a good friend to me. Mm. Now you're not doing it because you feel sorry for me because I'm sick. I'm some charity patient, which is of course the ego. We all have it. But if you said to me, and this is a couple of my friends, like my friend Simona did it so lovely. She said, look, I know you're caring for your dad and I know you have treatment next week. Maybe I could bring dinner for him and the kids on Thursday. Would that help? And I'd say, well, Thursday isn't good, but Friday would be great. Okay. Now we have a way to exchange and you can love me and I can receive it in a way that doesn't stress me out further. So interesting how we show up for one another, right? But again, it's that certainty thing, right? I, I think I know what you need. I, I think, you know, I'm going to fix it. I this, I that, I, 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 I. And again, it's the I sometimes not because we don't love or we don't care. It's the I because we need something certain, right? But it would be easier to, to love and support in a different way. Yeah. Well, and I think too, when it comes to this, and this is true, like when my mom died, it's true when my, my, my best friend's son, Jack died at four. And it was true with cancer. Like these are three big truisms that all I need is really, if you want to sit and watch friends with me, or you want to watch an old sex in the city, like that's like talking about, you know, your TV show things I would have loved. And a couple mom's friends did this for me. I loved that they said, hey, you know what? There's, I've got some time. How about we watch a couple reruns together? Or how, how about we watch an old Sex in the City? Or let's watch an old movie. Like something that we knew what to expect because there's nothing worse than sitting with your friend this did happen. And we yeah. turn on a TV show and the mom gets diagnosed with cancer and dies. And we're just sitting there like in yeah. my living room going, okay, awkward. So, you know, you know, like you talked about that certainty, we know what the movie is, pick an old favorite movie and say, hey, why don't I bring it over, you know, or turn it on digital and we can sit and watch it. Because truly when you're sick, you're not going to get up and dance a jig. When you're grieving with a death, you're not going to go and say like, hey, let's go disco dancing. Like, you know, there's not much you need to do. And I think in a society where we're used to over 
overshare over everything. Sitting there with me while we watch a TV show feels so nothing. But maybe it's everything we need because I don't need your advice. I don't need your medical things. Maybe I need your help making a few dinners, which a lot of people made dinners for me over the 14 months. And that was huge. Some of the people helped came and did my laundry. They helped make my bed when I was thrown up so hard. I felt my head was going to blow off. And I had mentioned that to my friend. My one friend came over and she brought a little candle and she brought a little oil. And all she did was rub my feet. It's beautiful. Simple. We don't need you to fix anything because you can't. And I don't need you to say anything because there really are no words. So how about we just be together? How about we just be in the moment and being in the moment in certainty is watching a show that you know I love or we both love. Like if you're 50, Sex in the City will never go wrong. A Friends episode will never go wrong. Like we can just be. And we forget that's really all there is. I always marvel at, you know, when someone's sick and and all these things are coming up for them in fear of death, there's somebody that thinks they're going to live to a hundred. And then the next day it's their turn. It's like, we're always in every place other than where life is happening in, in the moment. And, and so when we sell that, we sell the moment for tomorrow, we sell the moment for a future, a future that's unknown. And I always say we make the future in the moment. Right. right. We we make we heal in the moment. Right. We create what's ever going to happen to to us next in the moment. We fulfill our dreams, even if it happens 10 years from now in this moment. Right. So it's interesting how presence allows you to be there for someone else. And presence really is the key. Right. To creating that beautiful future that you so fear you're not going to have. And so it right. and I mean, yet for me, I get back to the present through the practice of maybe so. Or maybe I guess the question would be, you know, maybe I could find a way to, to be there for you that that would that would help you instead of what I need. Right. Oh, and maybe yeah. I could ask. Maybe, maybe I, could. I could ask, you know, would you like me to come? And I, you know, when I had the surgery, one of the big surgeries, there was five days and my friends got together and they said, well, maybe we could. And they brainstormed. And then they came to me and said, okay, you know, this person will do lunch on this day. This person will do, this one will drive Zach to school. This will do this one, you know, this whole thing. And it was just so nice to not have to think. And what I love the most, like when I look back at everything, I think of the pie Simona brought. I think of my friend Beverly in New Mexico. She mailed me a card every week Mm. for 14 months. Mm. Sometimes they were funny birthday cards, even though it wasn't my birthday. And she's like, I know it's not your birthday, but I'm because she was far away. And little things like that, like, you know, yes, there were some big grand gestures, but I don't remember them truly. What I remember is my friends who came and just sat with me. My friend Deanna down the street came the day of my surgery when my got home and my dad and my brothers, imagine having a big surgery, you're you're finally released the next day, you're sick, you're nauseous. They put a bloody steak, mashed potatoes and green beans on a tray for me. And I was like, and Deanna came from that down the street. I texted her and I said, look at this. This is horrible. She came up with a cup of soup and she just sat with me. And she brought me a little monkey, which I still have, and a little balloon, like I was a six-year-old girl. Simple, 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 simple. Maybe I don't have to do too much is the maybe that that comes across. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And it must be so helpful for people to hear, because I think that's one of the hardest things, how we show up for other people without certainty, without needing to know, and, and just being so open and present. And that's how we, we show up for each other. So yeah, um, yeah I'm going to take that away from this conversation. I love sure. that. I for love sure. that. Thank you. So, okay, you've got two books out, A Year Without Men. You've got the, the, the Maybe book, guys. Everybody needs a copy of the Maybe book. I'm going to probably be buried with one. It'll be my Nutribullet, <laughs> my Blend Jet, and my Power, you know, my Maybe book. Um, so, I guys, I want you guys to check out Allison Carmen. Look her up online. She writes really great articles. Your recent one is out on the Beast. It's available online, I assume. Yes, it's available on the Daily Beast. I think it's in the in the book section. Um, something I think it was called something like you don't have to watch reruns of the Gilmore Girls. I, I don't remember. You know, they picked their title that they yeah. like. You know, I would have picked the depths of uncertainty. But you know, they, <laughs> you know that's how they sell. That's why they sell papers, and I don't. Right there, you go. There you go. But you you change lives, and they help change lives because of your word. So I want to thank you for being my guest today. As always, I had so much fun with you and uh, I can't wait for our next episode. Oh, I can't wait anytime, any place. <laughs> All right. We'll be back again next week with another great show. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach.